Welcome to Face Your Faith. I hope that this topic study will help you grow deeply in your relationship with God, to be fearless in your faith, and to present others the Word of God in freedom and in peace. Today our study is on prayer, and we are going to be primarily focusing on what is prayer and what does it look like. I would guess that most everyone in the world has engaged in some sort of prayer time. Many, if not all, religions incorporate some sort of prayer or communication with their higher power or gods, or in the case of the Christian, God. And just about everyone I know includes images from the past centuries to the present day, primarily uh, indicating a pretty standard format. Uh, hands together, kneeling, head down, and eyes closed. Yes, some images show people standing and looking up to heaven as Christ did at one point when he was praying. Remember this as we begin. God does not care about your physical posture in prayer because you just can't get the right position for God in prayer. God only cares about the posture of our hearts. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Furthermore, we will only focus on what prayer looks like in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. This is truly significant as it is identified quite differently than any other religion in history. I say this because Christians believe that our role model for prayer is Jesus Christ himself, fully God, fully man, and by and through no other are we to pray. So what does the prayer life of a Christian look like? Let's go straight to the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Well, I guess that wraps up our study for today on prayer. Thanks for listening. All kidding aside, that is pretty clear on what our life is to look like in prayer. Pray continuously. Speak to God all day long. But there has to be more to it than that, and indeed there is. Even for a seasoned believer, many are completely awkward and out in left field when it comes to communicating with God, let alone communicating with God in front of other people. So let's fix all the awkwardness and insecurities right now with God as our teacher as we continue to look at more of what God has to say about how we are to communicate with him. Let's start with this. Do yourself a big favor. Don't compare yourself to other people who you think praise stunningly. Remember, God never asks for Emmy Award-winning prayers delivered by seemingly enchanted linguists. He did, however, ask for real, deep, imperfect prayers by very real, imperfect people whose sole purpose is to fully honor and glorify Him. So what does this look like to be real, really real, in our prayer life? Let's look at Matthew 6, 5 through 8. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. And just why would Jesus even bring this up? 
because performance prayers were evidently a problem then, as they still are today, and sadly in many churches and among many people. Many pastors, church leaders, and quote, good Christians love to go on and on and on in prayer. And why? For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Matthew 6, 5 again. So what does God-honoring, humble, sincere prayer look like? Praying just like Jesus taught us to pray. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I use the King James Version because that, to me, my personal opinion, is the most beautiful version of this prayer. Does it make it better or more sincere than any other version? Absolutely not. That said, before you use the King James Version to pray from or read from, you must be sure you are not reading a Bible you can't understand. My recommendation is that most of us shouldn't use the King James Bible due to the sufficient lack of education in British English from the 1600s. That said, here's the Lord's Prayer as written in the ESV, or the English Standard Version, for comparison. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Now, whenever you get to a word in the Bible you don't know the meaning of, no matter the version, either stop and look it up, or read a different version of the Bible that you can follow easily. With that, Let's briefly look at a few words in this prayer that we say because we were taught but might not know the meaning of. For instance, the word hallowed. While it might seem logical, what does it mean? It means holy, consecrated, sacred. But what does holy mean? The definition of holy is exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness, devoted entirely to the deity or the work of the deity. And what is sacred? Definition of sacred, dedicated or set apart for the service of worship for a deity, in our case, the Almighty God. Doesn't this change our perspective a bit on what exactly we are saying, and more importantly, what we are claiming about God in this prayer? In an upcoming topic, we will cover the full meaning of the Lord's Prayer. Another very important aspect of this prayer is that God gives us full opportunity to come to him in boldness and make a demand of him in this case. Give us this day our daily bread. Isn't that awesome that we can freely and humbly demand of God our life-giving sustenance from him? Why can we demand this? Because he knows we need it and it is in his perfect will for our lives. And when we ask anything that is fully of him, he pours out those things on us with joy and without hesitation. This now walks us into another area that is critical in our prayer life, coming to God boldly and confidently. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, 
but of power and love and self-control. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Boldness is used in the King James Version so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I first took us to 2 Timothy 1.7 so that we can see what God gave us to use. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power. Notice God does not say the spirit of power he put in us is just reserved for each other here on earth. It is indeed to be used in all aspects of our lives, including our relationship with God himself. Now the question you need to ask yourself is, can I come to God or anyone else for that matter confidently and boldly and still remain humble and honoring? And that answer is an emphatic yes. Remember, boldness does not mean aggressive or angry or arrogant. So what does boldness and confidence mean? Let's look at the dictionary. Boldness, not afraid of danger or difficult situations. God never wants us to see him in fear. Fear in the sense of afraid or terrified. Don't get confused with the other word fear used in many translations in the Bible that is used in place of the word respect. God never wants us to see him as a threat or someone who is judging us when we have done wrong. That is not the loving, compassionate God of this universe. Let's now look at the definition of confidence. Having a feeling or belief that you can do something well or succeed at something. Certain that something will happen or that something is true. Full of conviction. I think both of those words used in, this various trans, in the various translations are excellent. This should certainly provoke a sense of power that God has so incredibly granted us when we come to him and each other. Isn't this an absolutely amazing thing? That we can go to our God like this. Sadly, most people never approach God in confidence and boldness, though. We are typically ridiculously meek and fearful and lacking all confidence. I love the definition of meek. Deficient in spirit and courage. Yes, I think that sums up how the majority of us go to God. Deficient in spirit and courage. And just as sad is the fact that many of us have been instructed by our parents and church leaders that this is how we are to approach God, which is completely wrong and not God-honoring. And be sure not to kid yourself that you are not that person. Are you sure you go confidently and boldly to God? Maybe we should all go to God in prayer about this and be sure. Again, this is so critical because our communication with God is very serious, which is exactly why there is so much scripture that indicates how we are to pray. What is it to look like? Back to our previous directive from Jesus. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Reminder, Jesus says there were even hypocrites inside the synagogues, inside the church. That's so powerful. Again, Jesus confronts us, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. In other words, Jesus gave us this warning because we are naturally good 
at performance praying. I'm doubling down to make this point very clear that just because you are in church or even at home in your room for hours and hours praying endless words on bent knees, head down, eyes shut tight, and hands clasped has no effect on the authenticity of your communication with God, and indeed is not God-honoring in the least. Let's dig into more proof from God's Word that shows us we aren't very good at praying. Romans 8.26 Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, and aren't we always pathetically weak even though God has granted us power? For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And there we have it. No communication skills needed whatsoever, no command of the languages necessary, and all we need to really do is just know God gets it all when we come to him really real. Evidently, the Church of Rome was also struggling with getting real in their prayer life, and Paul saw this and wrote this to encourage them, just like we need to be encouraged today, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Again, let's listen to the words of Jesus because he knows we are very effective at rambling on. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. The Gentiles wanted to make sure everyone knew they were supposedly very educated in theology, that they had their master's degree and PhDs in divinity, which certainly had them on a rung up from the rest of us. In other words, Jesus makes it very clear and states that we get a kick out of having others watch us, quote, look like real Christian Christians. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven, Matthew 6.1. And what's not clear about that? This sounds like many people I have been with who feel the need to pray in restaurants, for example, before they can eat, and then after the public display, go back to acting like the world. Yes, this includes many pastors and church leaders. What on earth is wrong with us? Who do we think we are kidding with our ill-conceived rituals? How many times do we rattle off the same habitual words time after time, decade after decade? What does it even mean anymore? other than thinking we checked off the did that box with God and now the world knows who I am. I know I will draw a plethora of negative comments on this, but no need to send them because you know God knows what you are doing and why you are really doing it. And while we may fool the world and perhaps ourselves, we are not fooling God. And if you don't engage in this often fraudulent behavior, praise God and keep living it out for him. Most tragically, however, we who call ourselves Christians and don't truly live out the authentic reason we do anything and everything to the honor and glory of God, we will certainly not fool the world with our public display of religiousness. The world will see right through us and knows exactly who we are, pathetic hypocrites standing on the street corners and gushing our many words. And when people laugh at us, mock us and roll their eyes, Please don't jump to conclusions and dig yourself into a deeper hypocritical hole by suggesting they are just God-haters. Instead, perhaps consider God might actually be using those people to get you to think about who you really are in this world to others. So how are we supposed to get really real with God in prayer and get results? 
2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Humble yourself in confidence and boldness. Seek God's face, not your many repetitious words from your mouth. Turn from the sin in your life of perhaps being disingenuous, and then God says he will hear from heaven and do great, amazing things. Recognize the word land in the passage does not have to specifically represent a nation. It can be our church, our community, our town, our state. Consider this. Instead of praying for everyone else to change, ask God to change you. Don't forget, we can be very judgmental in our prayer life, too. Quote, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Matthew 7, 5. Don't forget, it's very easy to essentially tell God the world is really messed up, so please get them on the right track. All the while, we are just as messed up and are part of that problem. Perhaps we would be more effective in our prayer life and truly helping others when we get right with God ourselves first. How many churches and pastors and individuals pray and pray and pray with little or no results, rambling on with bring us new people, bring us more money, we need to build more buildings to do more of of what we think we want. After all, if we build it, they will come. How many churches and Christians are living in a field of dreams? Perhaps our churches across the world are in deep decline and our personal lives are a mess because we are praying out of fear and self-indulgence and because we are not really honoring God in our communication with Him. Could it be we need to go back to God and beg of Him that He open our eyes on how to pray? When was the last time you prayed and asked God to help you really learn how to pray? How about this? Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Jeremiah 33, 3. Evidently, we have a lot we don't know because we are not very good at calling on God in prayer and confidence and boldness. So it sounds like once we get our communication right with God, we will then be far better equipped to extend our prayer life into all areas knowing that God is truly honored and hearing us because we are giving it all back to him. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Luke 6.38 And I believe this includes giving to God in our time of sincere, humble, confident communication with him. At this point, we will be far more capable and equipped to extend our prayer life for God. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Perhaps before you start these prayers, you need to pray to God for forgiveness about the things you said and thought about the elected leaders you hate, I'm sorry, intensely despised, and then start praying for them. 
Don't prey on a bitter heart and kid yourselves that you check the box of whispering nice things in God's ear about them and think God will accept that. Then make sure you lead a quiet, peaceful, and dignified life as you talk about our elected leaders and others in authority. Remember, either you will be salt and light as God calls us to be, or we will be God-repellent. We see here in James, we are to get right with everyone. James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working, meaning it is a process in the works. Jesus goes on to tell us that when we are praying with godly discipline, as we have been instructed, which is in confidence, we will then begin to reap the rewards. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Notice it doesn't say it will be yours right then and there. 1 John 3, 2, And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. In other words, we get what we ask for when it is in his perfect will for us at the proper time, if we keep his commands. Are you getting what you ask of him? And so often we spend inordinate amount of time begging God to do something for us to only get angry with him when we don't get it. And please never say you don't get angry with God, because you do and you have. If you truly haven't, you are not human or you don't have a relationship with him. We see this clearly in James 4.3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Even if it sounds legitimate in your own mind, go to God in prayer and ask first to make it clear as to whether or not you should even be asking. Then, with the clarity from God, either ask or walk away. This will certainly help the irritation toward God when you don't receive what you asked for. The proof? James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Indeed, we lack a lot of wisdom when it comes to praying for what we want and not asking for what we need. And don't forget, when you see passages that say, ask God, that is pray to God, communicate with God. Don't just swing by and let God know it's on your wish list. It is also important to remember that when we are hungry to get things from God, we can also be easily sidetracked in temptation, hungry for the wrong things. Matthew 26, 41 tells us, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yes, even in our prayer life, we are often and easily sidetracked with our own desires and cravings, leading to fruitless and scattered communication with God. Again, I encourage you to go to God in prayer and ask God how to pray. Pray until you know your communication with God is as he wants it to be, bold, confident, secure, humble, and perhaps most importantly, honest. Just like Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. I hope the study today on prayer was very encouraging to you. I hope it gives you new hope in going to God in freedom and that you will enjoy speaking to your heavenly father as you never have before and are able to receive all he has in store for your life. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, 
which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. And we ask this in the great name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Coming up next year in 2022, I will have a number of additional study topics on prayer that will cover being honest with God in prayer, repentance, and why we close our prayers in the name of Jesus and several more. I hope you will find each of these and the many additional topics coming up very encouraging as you grow your relationship with God. If you are joining today by podcast, please visit our website at www.faceyourfaith.com for more information and resources.